Relax. You're quite safe here. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, whether you're doing it at cnjradio.com or you're subscribed and leaving a star rating and review on iTunes, never missing one single episode. Thank you especially everybody who does that. Somebody who is subscribed to Rock Strikes 10, I know this for a fact, Whoa. is sitting here with me in the studio right now. I'm a subscriber. My name is Logan, and I'm a subscriber. Yes. Hey, what's you. up, Joey? Besides that, what's wrong with you? Uh, well, thank you for well, being the few and the proud. Anyway. Just got my hair cut, so I feel yeah, a little bald right. on top. That's all right. That's all right. Well, you put a baseball well, hat over it. Well, I had a baseball it, cap. I've, and not helping I've, with the hair. Yeah, I have baseball cap hair right yes. now, which is better than my bed head. Yes. For sure. But you obviously know 95% of the time why Logan's here. It is time... We're going to close out 2016. I know I've been doing this with the odds and ends. We're just cleaning out the cash file, cleaning out the closet of 2016, which thank, takes about a month to get yeah. rid of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank Lemmy. I mean, D-E-A-T-H, come on. D-E-A-T-H, death, death, death. Yeah, and so I'm going to do a little bit of stretching here because we're not doing anything from 2017 on The Fallen. We're going to finish out the rest of 2016. And how we're able to do that is I'm going to do a little bit of a callback. And then someone who I think probably a little bit higher on the rock totem pole at least is going to get a double shot today. So that we're going to finish out the Fallen of 2016 volume something. Lucky that person. Yes, lucky that person. He is a lucky man. He and is te- a lucky man. It's a teaser for later. I Ooh. think. Ooh. We're going to start off here by me <laughs> finally basically kind of re-promoting this way after the fact. So I don't feel like too much of a fucking vulture. But we're going to kick things off here, which basically tied for the uh, biggest, most noteworthy death of 2016 music-wise, Prince. Reason I'm doing some more Prince on this is for two reasons. Number one, it's Prince. (laughs) And I feel that if you haven't heard the four-part tribute that I did to him, you really, really, really should go back and listen. It is good. I didn't even tag Prince's name to trend online, which is another reason I'm bad at promotion. But I did that, number one, because of the litigious reasons of Prince. And I didn't know <laughs> if the new regime was going to be that way. Right, yeah. Number yeah. And, and so basically, go back to the episodes, the ones that say PT1, PT2, PT3, and PT4. <laughs> Those are the Prince tribute episodes. Yeah, you don't know what's going to happen now with, with like yeah. you said, the, the, oh. the new-founded family well what i did see was a big wall of purple in london today that said spotify really uh when the grammys happened the shammies or you know that's what i call them when they happened a few weeks from now about halfway through the telecast there will be an ad that comes out that says prince is now streaming on apple and spotify so the family uh said to title the we family want our said, music back. We want money, is what the family probably, said. Probably so. So, anyway, going against his wishes and his time, but uh-huh. for the for like I posted today for the savages that don't buy physical media, you can now stream prints in a few weeks. You're welcome. 
and you don't deserve it, but you should at least listen to it. Ah, so. they deserve it. Come on. <laughs> but anyway. Pe- people deserve to hear Prince. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, he belongs I, to the world. I, I, understand. I, 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 I see where you're going with it exactly, but at the same time, this is the new age. This sure. is the way that people are going to have to access music. Yeah. If you want, yeah. if I want my 12-year-old kid to listen to music, yeah. I could hand her a CD, sure. but okay. she doesn't have anywhere to play it. Yeah, right. If I, I tell her to... to even to, in a car. The players are out of cars Does now. she have a car right now? Well, no, you know, what I'm saying is oh, all the new cars... They most, don't have CD most players? Most of the new cars they're making have no CD players. Are you anymore. kidding? Not kidding at all. Really? This is happening right now. Oh, jeez. Although there are a few new models that are like... We're bringing cassettes back. Like, they're going the other way. CD cassette auxiliary, which some... Anyway, we're getting off on a thing here. Getting off. Back to to Prince. There is... uh, And and the other thing I'm remedying here is I just did freaking two weeks of odds and ends, and I forgot to play the new Prince song, which appears on the... What I... You know, what we like to call the Reader's Digest or People Magazine. Bad fam. Best of Prince. Bad. But there is a two-disc collection out of the years that the general public cared about, which was all 80s stuff and a few oh, years yeah. into the 90s. Prince Forever? Prince Forever. Four. Number four. And, yes, or was it covers... it ever? It's Forever. Ever? Ever. Okay. Yes. Um, so, yes, like I said, the years that people cared about him. So we're talking first album through... Yeah. Uh, the symbol album, ninety three. Oh, okay. So basically, his entire Warner. That's a, that's a pretty. That should be a pretty good. I, I haven't looked at the. Comp. Sure, it is a double disc uh, out of sequence, which I know you'll hate. Ugh. But somewhere in the midst of disc two is a song that had never been released before called Moonbeam Levels. Is it in the middle of it? It's like in the middle of disc two, which is weird because the Ugh. song was written intentionally for nineteen ninety nine. Oh my god. In the year 1982, for those of you keeping score at home. I can't. Come on. You, <laughs> do you want to go home, or do you want to hear the music? All right, all right. All right. Go ahead. I, as, as a fan, and as someone who kind of went into the song with my fists up, like, oh, this isn't going to be like those Michael Jackson vault songs, you know, that are just so freaking terrible. Like a demo. Yeah, bad demo with other people singing on right. it. Right. Like, this is a real song with... I mean, you can hear the Lindrum on it, the whole thing. It sounds like the revolution. Well, get ready, because I'm sure there's a whole lot more from whence uh, that came. I am. I got my money out in my hand, ready to buy. Oh, so. you, you'll just be able to stream it. Don't worry about it. I will tell you, speaking of new generation stuff, <laughs> I was happy about the fact that I didn't have to buy the whole comp, because you can get this song by itself on iTunes. Oh, okay, cool. So, big ups for that, at least. Yay! Taking care Technology. of the fans. Yeah, so here you go. From Forever... This is a new old Prince song that you've never heard, maybe, called Moonbeam Levels. Check it out.
Kicking off the show here this week, finishing out the Fallen of 2016, final chapter, if I may be so horror movie franchise about it. That was Prince and the Revolution, for damn sure. And the Revolution. With Moonbeam Levels, you can find that on Forever, the brand new double disc collection. If you need to give that person, and let's say you still like physical product, if you need to give them that boost... This is, I can't argue with the track listing. I can argue with the order to which they put it in. I will. But I cannot argue with the track listing. It's a solid track listing. It even has all, it It doesn't fall in with Prince's method of thinking in his later years about what kind of material he was and wasn't singing. Because you get everything from, you know, something sweet like uh, Nothing Compares to You all the way to Sexy MF. And everything in between. Oh, is that on there? Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. yeah, it wow. is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Huh. All right, we're moving on. There's a lot of big names on this list. Usually when we do these, I, I spring them upon you, and you're like, who? And I get that. That's half the reason I do it. It's just for the fun factor. You're the voice of the people. I am the voice of the people. And so I'm not going to get a lot of those from you on this episode, including this next entry, Leonard Cohen. Oh. Of course, died November 7th, 2016, at the age of 82. The cancer? The cancer. Yes. And... I said I was going to have you carry this segment because I have some references to Leonard Cohen in my life. I understand that he is a renowned songwriter. Songwriter. Author. Like, in a sense of like a Bob Dylan where they treat him like a poet. Yeah. And he is considered Matter of fact, such. I think he was a, a Canadian, because he's, he's Canadian. Yeah. He's Canadian poet laureate. Yeah, he's got. Uh, he had that on his wiki page. I saw that because um, when I see those things above the name, I'm like, "What's that?" Usually, it yeah. means sir. Yeah, but he it was a it was a Canadian thing. He is my favorite Canadian Jewish Buddhist monk. Yeah, I read about. Or that Or maybe too. maybe not exactly a monk, but he was like a hardcore Jew. He was, though. He, yeah. he, well, I mean, but he was actually in the later years of his life a little bit more Buddhist. I got you. Like he actually went to temple and stuff w- like that. Went right? to like. like really 
separated himself from society sure. and lived the Buddhist monk life for a little while. Gotcha. Yeah, they said um, that he kept all of his religious traditions while he was on the road, even and all but that yeah, sort of stuff. But yeah, I, but I think he incorporated both religions. Yeah. It you know where where there's a gray line. Sure. But regardless, it, it made him a. Well, he was already an interesting human being anyway. Right. <laughs> I mean, just from the time frame of that, uh, that sort of beat generation yeah. within a sense, the Allen Ginsbergs sure. and, the, and and let I, me let me ask you a question since okay. I don't know. With that coming from that generation, right. Are we talking about a drug past here? I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's something in there. Okay. I mean, I, I I honestly don't know if he had any issues with it. If he did have an issue, maybe that's why he found a little bit more light on, on the Buddhist yeah. path. Yeah, so like you, you know, trade that for he, that. He could have traded know. traded a little bit for, you know, yeah. his his therapy might have yeah. might have been found in 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 the Buddhist traditions. Yeah, and and we go from this right. We I go mean, from sorry, <laughs> and we go from that to this. My personal interpretation of what I know of Leonard Cohen was actually, this is really random, but I, I found this right. again recently in my vaults. I was, uh, you know, I try not to you hoard. vaults? Yeah, yeah. I try not to hoard the magazines like I used to. So oh, okay, I, I did right. this thing where I was scrapbooking magazine articles and little, yeah. little, little, little things on the side. So when I was a kid, my mom used Some to get me. Uh, yeah. My mom used to get me Rolling Stone when I was a kid, but she was also getting me Entertainment Weekly after a while, which I yeah. wound up enjoying more. Right. Especially in the 90s. Entertainment Weekly was awesome. It was pretty good in the It 90s. sucks now, but yeah. yeah. anyway, probably just re- regime change yeah. or different agendas, but... It used to be great in the 90s when it was brand new, spanking yeah, new. Yeah, And they did a Leonard Cohen article, and I yeah. read the whole thing because yeah. I was like, who is this guy? I've heard the name here and there. And yeah. I actually heard him referenced on The Young Ones long before I ever heard his music because <laughs> uh, the great Neil, the hippie, and uh, Rick pulled a fast one on him right. one time, and he's just like dead to rights, and he just looks straight at the camera and goes, I'm not going to say anything because no one ever listens to me anyway. I might as well be a Leonard Cohen record. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, it's a person that nobody listens to. So when I saw a Leonard Cohen article, I was like, oh, let's find oh. out what the hell this guy's all about. Right. And one of the first impressions I ever got about him was the interviewer was very like detailed and painted that picture of meeting right. him. The door was answered by a scantily clad Rebecca de Mornay. Oh, that sounds about right. Yeah. And I'm like, so when you do the math here, <laughs> Leonard Cohen is 82 when 82. he died last year. I'm reading this article for the first time 25 years ago. So in his late 50s, he's getting a Rebecca de Mornay in her 30s. I was going to say, and when you're a 16 year old like, dude, I'm like, hey, now. What's up? Good for you, dude. Well. Yeah, he had the cool. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean that. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. I mean, his his early his early material was a lot more in that that folk type. Yeah, you know um, where I'm, they all well, they all gathered together at the Chelsea Hotel. Yeah, and uh, probably probably smoked a couple of uh, a couple of joints and traded yeah. you know Marxist ideas and yeah. changed the world. Sure, and I definitely hear the influence in some of my favorites, like Brian Ferry, sure. Tom yeah. Waits, highly people in, like that. So highly I'm, influential. I mean, it, so he's if, cool with me. If anything, more so, I think because of his lyricism, yeah, and and his tone took a sharp turn. I can't remember the record. I want to say it was "Death of a Ladies Man," yeah. but he went from folk artist to this. Sort of monotone. Yeah. yeah. You know. Actually, the song I have to I mean, represent and, him is going to be one and of it, those. It just flows so well, yeah. you know. So, you know, 
Yeah, that that article I read on him was when he was promoting the future, one of his comeback yeah. albums that he had. Right. And about a year later, I would actually hear material off of this album, but not from the actual original album itself. I think right. you know where I'm going with this. Yes. In yes. 1993, yep. Trent Reznor put together from his brain like this crazy soundtrack yeah. for Natural Born Killers. Yeah. And the kickoff track, the first voice you hear, like, because you imagine kids like buying this, like, oh, it's a Nine Inch Nails project. <laughs> and then you oh, hear this. Yeah. <laughs> the opening track right. on the album is a song from the future, 1992, a song called Waiting for the Miracle. So I figured I was going to use this song on our tribute to him. So here you go Leonard Cohen and Waiting for the Miracle. Stay gold, Leonard. Yeah.
right, that was Waiting for the Miracle, which you can find on the album The Future from 1992, or you can find it on the Natural Born Killer soundtrack. That's an interesting soundtrack. Uh, it's got, and, and, can you name uh, a few bands off of that, just off the top of your head? No. It's, uh, <laughs> without being in front of me, I know after this song, because I was always waiting for it, was L7 doing Shitless. Oh, was... Oh. But you're talking, like, besides Nine Inch Nails material, there's Lard... There's um, Lard was on that. Yeah, Lard, Lard was on there. Uh, Doctor I mean, Dre is I on there. Probably have not. And but the Melvins are I on the movie. But touched that record. Let's see. What is that? Ninety six. Ninety three. Ninety three. Yeah. I probably haven't touched it since ninety five. Okay, fair enough. So yeah, and you can hear the Melvins playing during Natural Born Killers, but they're not on the soundtrack. Oh, oh okay. Like that, you know, the Spread Eagle Beagle track where they're just banging on shit. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. That's in the movie. So. That's in the movie? Yeah. I don't remember. So the they movie. use it as like effect basically. Fucking Oliver Stone. So, <laughs> but uh yeah, it's it's a crazy fun soundtrack. Good place to reference. Like I said, first time I ever heard the guy. Uh you were saying something while we were listening to the song, the first time you heard Leonard Cohen legit. Because well, you're not lying about it. You're... No, no. My, my, I mean my first Leonard Cohen wasn't actually hearing Leonard Cohen. It's yeah. basically from It's like how people hear weights. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it, it was really from tributes and my first one was on the uh was from the soundtrack, uh Pump Up the Volume with Oh god, who was that dude? Christian Slater. Christian Slater. Yeah. And on on the soundtrack, there was uh, Concrete Blonde doing Everybody Knows. Which I didn't know was Leonard Cohen's song until which you just said it. That's, I mean, and they do a great version of that. Oh, yeah. That's one of the key songs in the whole movie. And I think that really kind of triggered for a lot of, a, a lot of, I mean, it, there was a lot of traction after that. Sure, yeah. And another great soundtrack. Some, some that other, movie's one of the reasons why I do this show. Some, uh, <laughs> some other interest in Leonard Cohen started to pop up. So, yeah. We started to see a couple of tributes. There was even the the this one tribute that had oh the one that has the like a fire lady on it. Isn't, um, isn't that the one? It well, I think it had the fire hydrant with a bunch of kids. The okay Leonard Cohen "I'm Your Man" tribute. It right. had REM doing "We'll Take Manhattan." Nick Cave was on there. The well, Pixies. Of course, I was like Nick Cave probably. Holds yeah, Nick Cave his nails. Nick, to Nick Cave totally nails it. Of course, <laughs> put two but, and two together. And uh, the Pixies. Pixies. I, I, I don't remember the song yeah. that that any of them specifically yeah. do outside of the. They Pixies. actually released. Um, I'll take Manhattan as a as as a single gotcha. for that. Yeah. So well, there there. I'm I'm gonna have two more Pixies reference for you. Later That's on here in the show, you're going to love fairly it. Fairly interesting. You're not going to see him coming, but as soon as I tell you, you're going to be like, oh, wow. Okay. So hopefully that's what I, that's what I hope I to accomplish. Maybe I will see them coming. Yeah, I hope to accomplish it. Yeah. Uh, before we get to that, a guy who died on November 13th of last year, the age of 74, uh, via heart issues, let's just say, Leon Russell. Leon Russell. Who, uh, piano man. We're going to do two piano men in the row, actually, starting with Is Leon. piano? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was not thinking he was guitar. No, 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 no. Um, He's out of that Dr. John school, though. Exactly, so, yes. And then you know, there were contemporaries, where was pretty he much. From? Where was Leon Russell from? He was though? from Tennessee, but he made his bones okay. in Oklahoma. Okay. And actually, something that really he did in, in his career, because, I mean, this guy has played on sessions with the Stones yeah. and members of the Beatles and everybody else in between. Yeah. Beach Boys, you know, like if just, you had a festival in the seventies. Yeah, you had Leon. You had Leon there. And and or he would I sit think, in with you. Wasn't there yeah. didn't Leon play some of the Texas Jams? 
He probably I did. Think, I think I, he did. I don't have that in front of me, but what, uh, one thing I do know that he played that actually we're going to use to represent him here right. in a few minutes is he was one of the predominant artists at the Bangladesh concert. Oh, okay. So that's wow. That's really where he probably cool. got really famous, and his Carney album is probably his most famous release. Mm-hmm. But it's it's almost kind of the 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 friends he made along the road really kind of you know told the story. Early on in the 70s, he took a, a young kid out in America on tour named Elton John, uh-huh. who actually said, you are like one of my inspirations for uh-huh. doing this. And early on, not just later on, early on, Elton was a hugely on Russell fan, gave it up right. for him all the time. And then, of course, he still does, doesn't he? Yeah, let's say decades later, they yeah. would do that album together, The Union. Oh, that's right. And the reason they did that is because Elton heard through the grapevine that Leon wasn't doing well. First of all, he was like pretty much getting around a scooter. His right. health was terrible. Plus, apparently, he was broke. And they did wow. this album, Grammy noms. They did shows together. He didn't have to do that. No, he doesn't. Elton need, didn't have Elton to do need shit. anybody. Elton doesn't need to do anything. But with anybody. Elton, you know, and I'm not even a huge Elton fan right. anyway. I think you know that. Yeah, I fairly, know. fairly I'm a, well. I'm a fan, but but at the same time, I do have a lot of respect for. Elton is one of those guys now. I mean, he's not—he's not the the guy that that TMZ catches at the Thailand airport being bitchy, yeah, all the time. Exactly. He's he's just a, a regular musician who is looking out for other musicians. Yeah, he's a super and, philanthropist. And he's he's he, not Sir Elton John. He's Saint Elton John. Yeah, yeah. He, he's <laughs> he's he's looking out for a whole bunch of other people. So yeah. yeah. He's he's at a good spot in his life, and I have nothing but a lot of love for what Elton John does yeah. for the community of music yeah. and the musicians that make up that that group. Well said. Yeah, and uh, Elton had a rough last couple of months in 2016. We're going to talk about another one mm-hmm. later. But before we do that, yeah. Yeah. to represent the great Leon Russell and his awesome piano playing skills and the way he took that and, and mixed it with country and rock and roll. We're going to play his performance from the concert from Bangladesh where he's duetting with George Harrison. (laughs) And they do a medley of Jumpin' Jack Flash followed by Youngblood. Awesome. So check out this jam. Haven't heard that in forever. All right, here you go.
Sweet daddy, you got what I want, but you ain't giving it to me. Oh, and it hurt me deep down into my soul, and I had to walk on out the door. And I was crying in my heart, I didn't know if I was gonna ever see my baby no more. I went a walking down the street, and I was ashamed to look at anyone I meet. Oh, Once a blinding light flashed in my eyes And there she was standing Leaning up against the lamppost Well, tell it, tell it Get back to her. Oh, she 
winked at me and she smiled at me and she said, yes, daddy, I understand. I walked on down the street back to my pad. And I crawled and I snuck and I crawled back in the bedroom. My baby looked at me with a great big blue bedroom eyes and she said, oh, daddy, now where you been all night long? Yet I know I told you to get away from me. I told you to leave me alone. Oh, but I had a change of heart and I've been needing you all night long. Yes, they have been needing a good thing. None of the good things. Yet I looked at my babe and I said, Baby, I said, What is it that I got that you want? Yeah. She looked at me and she said, Real slow, real soft, real sweet. She said, This right here. Treat your woman like you treat yourself. Everything is gonna be all right. It's gonna be all right. Yeah, they're gonna be all right now. Alright, some Leon Russell along with George Harrison there. Very like cool. I said, I think he uh, all the friendships he made in his career is really what he was defined by. Great solo artist in his own right, but I'm just going kind of when I do these, I kind of go by personal experience. So, I love that performance of Jumpin' Jack Flash and Youngblood from the concert from Bangladesh. If you buy that album, uh, just uh, keep in mind that there is Buy it on LP, don't download it. There you go. It's a, no, I was going to say, <laughs> there is a lengthy Ravi Shankar set at the top yes, of it. Yes, there is. That you can flip the, the slab over if you get it on vinyl. and maybe Or if you get the download, there's a little button that's... You don't little, have to buy the... It's a little next track yeah. button. God, that shit's so long, I bet you it's album only. So... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and plus, I just wanted to play something. Nothing but love for Ravi Shankar. Sure, sure. Thank, thank you for all that you contributed. Sure. Um, I just also <laughs> wanted to play something a little upbeat because I have the union, but everything on there is really sad. So, yeah. Let's move on there. Okay. So, moving on to another piano guy who actually left two days after Leon did. Two days, okay. Uh, a guy that doesn't have as much of a household name as Leon, for sure, but he's him. one of those musicians' musicians. Do I know him? I think you might know the name. Okay. Mose Allison. Oh, okay, yes. Yes. And he died at, <laughs> he died at the age of 89, so he died of yes. death. He died of I, death. From what I understand. A well-respected guy, great songwriter. Anybody who 
sits behind a piano, has a way with words, has a little bit of blues and a little bit of rock and a little bit of humor. Yeah. Owes their career to Mose Allison. Mose Allison. We're talking about guys all the way from Randy Newman to Billy Joel. Mm-hmm. And maybe not so much Elton. Maybe more Billy than Elton, I'd I have to go, say. I would go a little bit more Billy yeah. than Elton. Randy Newman, Ben Folds. Oh, yes. Ben Folds. Oh, you know, yeah. Mose Allison is the guy. Yeah. And even going through the rock and roll stuff. I mean, I would think that uh, the song that he... Uh, Young Man's Blues. Everybody plays that song yeah. now. Started with Live at Leeds, and then people just caught on to it, and right. now even like the Foo Fighters are playing it. It's just like yeah. Mose Allison just... Writing Young Man's Blues gives him a slot you know, as a Hall of Famer, I think. Hall of Famer, indeed. Which I, I was thinking I was going to play that. Second Pixies reference of the night. I was going to say. There is a song <laughs> called Allison yes. on one of their albums. Which album is that? Do you know offhand? That would be on... Is it Trompe-le-Mont? Trompe-le-Mont. Okay. I was guessing. And when the planet hit the sun, I saw the face of Allison. Yeah. And that's about Mose Allison. That's what I found out. That's so. right. Uh, he put out way over 30 albums in his lifetime and career, including pretty, live albums. But when you're stout. a piano slash blues guy, your live albums are just as good as your studio albums, if not yeah. better, actually. Yeah. Uh, I, I was reading a few different uh, tributes to him when he died, because, you know, besides Young Man's Blues, I didn't really know a whole lot about him yeah. and all of his contributions or influence past a few things. But one thing that stuck out at me, because I'm such a fanboy is the fact that, according to what I read from the direct artists themselves, a song that he recorded in 1959 called Parchman Farm was the direct influence for one of my all-time favorite songs, which was Going Down by the Monkees. <laughs> they wrote that strictly as a tribute to the song because they love it so much, huh. and they, they basically ripped it off and just changed the lyrics. Wow. And uh, so they're like, hey, we, we get it. You know, we just monkeys. wanted to. Yeah, but they, they love it. Monkeys being monkeys. Yeah. So I'm going to play that song. So if you're a Monkeys fan and you're familiar with Going Down, you will definitely recognize all of it here in this song from 1959 by Mose Allison. This is Parchment Farm. Check it out. There you go. Sitting over here on Parchment Farm Well, I'm sitting over here on Parchment Farm Well, I'm sitting over here on Parchment Farm And I ain't never done no man no harm Putting that cotton in a 11 foot sack. Well, I'm putting that cotton in a 11 foot sack. Well, I'm putting that cotton in a 11 foot sack with a 12 gauge shotgun at my back.
sitting over here on number nine I'm sitting over here on number nine Well, I'm sitting over here on number nine And all I did was drink my wine There you go. Don't it make you feel good there? That's I feel like I'm doing old time radio now. Old time radio, but I like it. That's good old time. That's good stuff. Mose Allison, Parchment Farm, 1959. Uh, If you get any, that's from 59. Yeah, Uh, just look up Mose Allison on iTunes. By the way, M O S E. Yes, and and then a double L in Allison. Yes, and there's a good best of that Rhino put out, and uh, I got this on a different bit. There's like two really good best ofs. And they all match the top ten songs. Just buy all of his yeah. records. You'll be covered. It's all good. So, <laughs> moving on here. Here's a guy that, man, I was thinking that we were going to have this really weird trifecta of music deaths in 2016 because... Keith because, Denver, you know, 2016 was not just well loaded down. People screwed up the whole year by turning it into an entity. I believe it made it stronger than it was initially. Yeah. So it's like, stop treating 2016 like a person. Right. Because it's just going to keep killing. Right. But we lost Keith Emerson earlier in 2016. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. And then we lost Greg Lake. Greg Lake. Right in December 7th. Died of pancreatic cancer. Uh, so a way different way than Emerson left us. But everybody. Was Emerson's? Emerson killed himself oh. because he didn't think he was going to ever be able to play properly ever again. Because that's mm. what. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. That's a joyful reminder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks. Oh my god, cat. It's a cat. Uh, what was I what was the last thing we were talking about? We were talking about Keith Emerson. Well sure. And um and uh, being dead. Yeah, okay. Uh but yeah, cancer sucks and that's what Greg Lake had, pancreatic cancer. And I think everybody was really concerned about Palmer. Because Palmer did not leave us in 2016. <laughs> no. He is the last one left now of the original ELP. Staying strong. Man, with Greg Lake, there are two very distinct things in his career. So I'm using this as an opportunity to do the double shot. There you go. Uh, because you can't do one without the other. I mean, you just can't, in my opinion. Greg Lake was the lead vocalist on what I consider to be one of the greatest albums ever. And I know I'm not alone in that. The first King Crimson album in the Court of the Crimson King. Yeah. Certified classic, five star. It's law. You must have it. Five star, ten stars. Yeah, if there was if there was any number of stars, the Wait, max. What are we grading on? Get, I don't know. I don't know. On a on a scale of four. No, it's it, gets a fan, a, it, it gets a fifth star. Yeah, it it yeah. It's a it, it it's a essential. Yeah. And then you, you move on to right afterwards, so apparently what I found out was 
King Crimson was playing gigs with this band called The Nice, and that's how yeah, and that's how he met Keith Emerson. Yeah, you know, whenever both bands kind of decided not to do things with each other anymore, at least in that particular lineup, or they changed lineup exactly because you know not the King Crimson. I'm not sure if Nice really reformed in any kind of way. Nice was done; they were done. So they start off Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, right, and. They have massive success through the seventies. People kind of forget how big they were, but they did very they were well. Pretty, pretty big. So they came out of the gate with like a big hit, and then they had very respectable releases over that. Of course, Brain Salad Surgery, also right. another huge record. Carnival Nine on there, like tremendous just... era for the musician's musician. Yeah, I mean, because we're talking about the you know where ELP is coming around. Yes, is making huge strides. Yeah. We have Rush. Based on, yeah, Rush. I mean, and all and, based and, on live reputation. Yeah, too, when, so. and we're talking about at, at exactly that the live reputation. Yeah. I mean, just the musician's musician. Yeah, and I'm, I, you know, I know they don't like the word prog. I understand that, right? Uh, but at the same time, it was so it was so completely progressive from just like the dirty blues that like a Led Zeppelin was playing or the who was doing. Yeah. They went in a different direction. They went in a completely different direction. And it was, it was fantastic, fantastic material that, that, that this core of, of, uh, of musicians were doing all across. So, yeah. The thing I find interesting is that all those bands that you mentioned, they all, uh, had lead vocalists that were like pretty high energy greg lake being yeah. no exception no so which is it's interesting because i guess it's like hey, we need a vessel to get us on radio and a guy like Greg oh, yeah. Lake, that voice is just so awesome that I, th- I think it definitely helped right you know so you could be as good of a player as you are and if you don't have a guy getting yourself over with the rest of the people yeah then you don't have a chance so certainly there were the the, the seeds of of radio, commercial, you know, some something viable for them to play on the radio. Yeah, and I while mean, it wasn't, it wasn't just drowning out with, a, you know, some twelve-minute guitar solo sure. and or drum solo, what have yeah. you. Yeah. But and 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 yeah. in the court sort of resembles that in a sense, but it's more the epic arrangements that go on. It is. Yeah, like there's like five proper songs on the record, five or six. I can't mm-hmm. I can't remember now, but because the songs are so long. So basically right. how we're going to double shot Greg Lake here is we're <laughs> going to go to the two extremes. Track number one is going to be Epitaph, which I believe is probably his greatest vocal performance on the whole album, which is saying something. It's a very epic ballad. Yes. Tremendous amount of Mellotron, and it just plays so well. And then we're going to finish off the Greg Lake double shot with something completely different, probably ELP's most successful single. We're going to play Lucky Man, so I'm going to give you a little bit of both. We're going to be all-inclusive. Very good. So for Greg Lake, here is Epitaph, followed by Lucky Man. We'll see you in about 12 minutes.
white horses and ladies by the score all dressed in satin and waiting by the door Ooh, what a lucky man he was Ooh, what a lucky man he was white lace and feathers they made up his bed a gold covered mattress on which he was led
All right, there you go. You've spent enough time away from us, right? That was for Greg Lake. A they, nice... miss, they missed you more than me, though. Yeah, I'm, well. That's knows? probably, you know. But that was for Greg Lake. <laughs> that was Epitaph, which I don't even know the full title. It's a long title. but It's a it's, two for Tuesday. Yeah, there you go, because it is Tuesday while it we're recording Tuesday. this. Epitaph from In the Core of the Crimson King, which you should own, and Lucky Man from the self-titled Emerson Lake and Palmer record. So, yes. It was a really nice back-to-back. Thank you. Thank you. I, I try. That actually, it worked I think that worked really better than I thought yeah, it would. I was going to say. Uh, so, yes. Great voice on that man. Rest in peace. Uh, moving on here. Backwards on the order of things. All the way in October 18th of last year. Whoa. Uh, another guy who probably just died from death because he was 95 years old. Yeah, probably. Uh, a gentleman named Phil Chess. Oh, was yes. was the co-founder of Chess Records. Yes. Yeah. And how do you not pay tribute to that guy who brought black music into prominence yeah. in America at a time where there were still whites only drinking faucets and bathrooms and all dirt, that stuff. Dirt floors. Back I mean, of the bus. Yeah. And these why is it always white immigrants? <laughs> that are the champions of black music in American history. That is just something you else, know isn't what? it? How great is that? That, that really that really does speak volumes because... We're at a time right now. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, because the the European, I'll just, gonna, I'll, I'll just cut it across European, British, and what have you. Of course, we all know how much the British loved American blues music. They embraced it completely and turned it into... A viable pop form for them yes. via the Stones and the Beatles, which of course laid the groundwork for anybody else that was going to follow them. Yeah. And I still haven't seen the quasi biographical movie on this because I know there was that movie Cadillac Records that came out right. a few years ago, but I still haven't seen it because no. I'm always not willing to see the stuff that has to change all the names and right. do all that shit. That's why I didn't enjoy uh, Velvet Goldmine really either. Uh, or Rockstar. Never did see that. Yeah. Well, I saw Rockstar. Yeah. That was... Yeah, They're just whatever. okay. And I'm sure yeah. I'm sure Cadillac Records is just okay. But sorry, I didn't mean to what, get off on what, that. What's great, about, what's great about the story of Phil Chess is that wasn't even remotely his name, though. Yeah, he changed it completely. It was like Fizzle Sizzik or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yes. And so... Thank you, he, thank you Snoop Dogg. Yeah, right. <laughs> or... Uh, Sinizzle. Yes. Fizzle Sinizzle. Uh, I need to give original credit to Frankie Smith on that one. So Okay. Well, Frankie Smith. Word. <laughs> but him and his brother get together and put together this uh, this legendary, what we now know is completely legendary. I mean, at, at, yeah. at, at, the, at the time, I can't imagine what they were thinking. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get killed. Yeah. Maybe I mean, that there, was part there's of a possibility it. But, I mean, there. That exists. They're, that was that's a real reality. Whenever their roster start, well, but at the same time, they're starting to sell records. Sure, I mean their who's roster sell, who's has selling those records. Yeah, well, who's selling the records? They and because they were race records at right. the time is yeah. what what they were basically just terming them as. Yeah, but people were selling them, and it oh, may I have been from the, something. May have been from the back of the store. What's that? Is it Chess Records because of the black and white? On the chessboard. Yes. Gosh. Oh, yeah. Man. That's I mean, brilliant. I, I, I think I'm, 
and I don't have that it, here right? in 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 my in my okay. notes on but it. But back to the roster. I mean, but back to the roster, roster: Muddy Waters, Bo Diddley, Sunny Boy Williamson, Etta James, Willie Dixon, Howlin' Wolf, Chuck Berry. Yeah, you know what? Bam. If that was all they had, <laughs> mic drop. Yeah, totally. And uh, I was like, "What to play?" We could have done a whole Chess Records episode. Obviously, we could have. Oh, totally. Uh, but I went with this one because I'm a I'm a big fan of this artist, and I noticed something that uh, this is the guy. This is the guy that stayed on Chess his entire career. A lot of guys left and went to other labels. This okay. guy was a Chess guy and remained a Chess guy till the end of his life. The great icon that even had an influence on heavy metal guys Helen Wolf Helen Wolf yeah he was the guy I was going to say Muddy Waters went off sure everybody Chuck left Barry went off yeah Bo Diddley Eddie James, James did they all left Helen Wolf stayed with Chess Records so he was a lifer yeah he was a lifer so one of the great Helen Wolf singles from 1962 to pay tribute to Phil Chess this is of course the the wolf and I ain't superstitious <sighs> Well, my right hand each other. I guess 
record that the first time I ever heard it. Can you guess how I ingested that song for the very first time? Ooh, I don't know, man. By Megadeth doing it oh. on the Peace Cells album. <laughs> was I in Superstitious by oh. Helen Wolf? And of course, I think, honestly, love Helen Wolf. I mean, if you have to go with the best cover version, I'm going to go with the amazing version that Jeff Beck and Rod Stewart do of it. Okay. God right. damn. Always makes me think of watching Maybe Casino. Maybe I haven't heard that then. Yeah, one of my favorite movies of all time, Casino. It has a prominent place in there. Oh, okay. You, I think you even hear some Helen Wolf on there. Of course you probably do. Yeah, you probably do. Any Almost any Scorsese film has at least somebody from Chess Records on there multiple say. times. But uh, yeah, the greatness of Helen Wolf representing Phil Chess and Chess Records. There you go. Good stuff. Now, we've been so legendary and so iconic. And Logan, when we get together... There's a little bit of that little brother, big brother thing, I think. Oh. The dynamic that we have. I mean, okay. I'm just being behind the scenes about this. But, All right. Um, over the years that we've hung out... Pull back the curtain, why don't you? Yeah, sure. Over, over the years that we've known each other, I can't resist almost once every time we hang out whipping your ass a little bit. All right. Just to just to get the eye roll because it's funny to me. It's just like any siblings <laughs> want to kind of just. And you know what? It's funny to me too, Joey. <laughs> well, I hope so because <laughs> honestly, and I'm I, I I I am not a fan of irony, really, as far as like ironic humor and all that new shit that like a lot of the new comedians all right. and all that stuff. All so right. I am not paying tribute to this man <laughs> in any kind. Maybe there's a bit of irony, but as a kid growing up, this guy actually had a part. In, in my popular culture, so I wanted to pay tribute to him. All right. So back uh, not, died. Too, not too long ago, Alan Thicke died. Alan Thicke. And this is December 13th, I believe. Yeah. He died of an aortic dissection. Which, playing hockey. Playing hockey with his little, little kid. With his kid. And, you know, it's just one of those things, from what I understand, it's one of those things, sometimes your number is up. He just had this heart thing, bam, gone. And he didn't have a whole lot of bad medical history. Just Some people nope. just dropped dead, and that's yep. what happened with Alan. They said he was even joking with his kid while he was getting wheeled out. I thought oh, no kidding? Kind of, yeah, he was making fun of it. Really? Yeah, so he just, and his blood just spread through his body, and he died. It's like, wow. it like an explosion in his body, basically. So that's terrible. Yeah, no, you just never know, man. You just never know. What are you doing to me? So going back, <laughs> um, not, not to further power you down, but... After he died, they actually were very nice about him on Howard Stern's show because right. he had been on the show a few times, and yeah. it was a very good interview. It's a little bit more and, power now. And Yeah, I understand. But like <laughs> he said something interesting. Like it, it was like late 90s, early 2000s when he was on promoting something. And he, right. goes, he goes, yeah, my son Robin just signed a record deal with Interscope. You're going to be playing his records on your show someday, like Proud Papa. Right. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, sure, Alan, whatever you say. Right. Fast forward well, a few years later, forward, and he's yeah. on the show playing Blurred Lines, and it's yeah. like, okay. So, Alan had his, his, not just by being Robin Thicke's dad. A lot of you may not know, you younger people may not know that Alan I was going to say. He was a jingle man. He was and, a jingle man. So, <laughs> and a TV theme guy. He was a TV theme guy. So, in light of all of this, I have put together the Alan Thicke medley. Oh. So, here you go. <laughs> Take it away, Alan. Yeah. Who's the man with the money makes a dark day sunny? Who's the fella every day gives a bundle away? Who's the guy with the prizes that'll light up your eyes? It's never ending, get a friend and get a ready to play. Hey, 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 hey. It's the Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. The odds are that you'll be a winner today. With the Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. Yeah, the Wizard is here, make you feel okay. Hey, 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 hey.
Wizard of Oz. The odds are that you'll be a winner today with the Wizard of Oz. The wizard is here, make you feel okay. Hey, 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 hey! Thank you. Thank you so much for participating. I participated in, in your yes. and little it, it, reindeer game. Thank you. And in light of the overall theme of Rock Strikes 10, that counts as one song because it's a medley that I put together. So there you go. For Alan Thick, I know I'm, I'm cheating a little bit. Up. Cheating a little bit. <laughs> but for Alan Thick, that was the Wizard of Odds game show theme song, which he sings on. Uh, the theme to Facts of Life, which he wrote. And a song that he at least co-sang on, and Different to, Strokes theme song. And to think you could have just gone with blurred lines. Sure. But, as in, like, here's the dad of the guy yeah. who wrote a song that was like... No, that's what everybody else is doing. Yeah. That's not what we do. That's what not how everybody we roll. else is that's doing. That's not how we roll on Rock Strikes 10, my friend. <laughs> I, I, I like blurred lines. I mean, I did like it better when it was called Gotta Give It Up. However, besides sure that, besides sure. that, not a big fan. He's a one-hit wonder in my eyes. So, anyway... Yeah. Moving on, Rico we've got ooh Gerardo. Ooh, yeah, which like he's that? not dead, but his career. No, his what well, he's his doing singing now. Career is that he's the head of Interscope he's, Latin. Last we are Latina or something. Is he like still that. running that though? Yeah, you think so? Yeah, okay. totally. There's no record labels anymore. What are you talking about? Yeah, you're right. All right. Speaking of death, <laughs> D E A T H death. <laughs> yes. Is that a Jets chant? By the way, is that no, what you're basing no, it off of? It, no, I'll have to explain it later. Okay, we'll do it later. Uh, on Christmas Eve of 2016, Ooh. at the age of 68... What a, a man, bad day to die. A man, well, there's another one worse than that coming up later. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. So, on Christmas Eve, uh, at the age of 68, died of sepsis, which I gotta sepsis? say... I gotta say, I read about this guy's history, and dying him, dying, him dying at 68, he was on borrowed time for decades. It's a guy named Rick Parfit. 
And oh. he played for he played in Status, status Quo. Quo. Yes. Guitar player. Longtime guitar player. Yep. I don't think he lasted the entire Status Quo career, but he was status in the early Quo opened up Live Aid. Yes, they did. In 1985. July 13th, 1985. So I they were the first. In. They were the first band on stage. I couldn't remember if it was them or Ultravox. So. I believe... Don't do that to me, Joey. It might, it's one Don't of the do other. That to anyway, me. it's one I of the other. I could have sworn it was status quo. All right. Chris Riley sent us a uh, sent us a message about that. So. Or we could use Google. Yeah. By the I'm way, gonna, I'm actually going to go with my memory because sure. I was up at the time. I knew the day was was a was a big deal, and so I woke up early on a Saturday morning to watch yeah. Live Aid kick off. Yeah. Amongst other things. Yeah. I, being up at that point. And Status Quo was the first band that I recall being on there. Understood. And that's that's one of those bands that is a a strictly almost British act. Completely. It's it's Blur of the 80s, man. And and also, like... Without the hit. Yeah, well, and their career started in the late 60s. Yeah. Like, during the psychedelic era. And they did very well in their home country... And was just blipped in America. It's so they, weird. They're they, so talented. They, could they have bar- great they songs. They could barely fill up any kind of like three hundred, yeah. you know, capacity theater in in the, in the states. It's so weird. It's like just they, they never translated. They could sell out Wembley Arena. Oh yeah. But come over to Boston and play to five hundred people. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's it's just weird. So, it's just absolutely bizarre. But that doesn't discount the talent and the. Just huge long career that Status Quo has yeah. had. Rick Parfit being a big part of that. Huge part of that. And uh, I went ahead and just bought this song on the iTunes today because I have like next to nothing by him. But I I hope to remedy that. I at least want to get like a good anthology of theirs. So yeah. Uh, until then, let's go with probably their most well known song in America. Also being one of their super earliest songs from 1968. Oh, from the you'll probably know what song I'm going to play because I'm going to tell you the album title. You'd be like. There we go. Go ahead. So from the album, Picturesque Matchsticks Messages from the Status Quo. (laughs) Right. This is Pictures of Matchstick Men.
So, there you go. Pitchers and Matchstick Man by the Great Status Quo for Rick Parfit in tribute to him. I'm not going to go into that thing I mentioned earlier about the fact that he was on borrowed time, but man, the more I read about him, the more I was like, wow. The fact that he made it all the way to 68 is super impressive. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, by the way, pictures of Matchstick Men, of course, you're talking about Live Aid, so that makes me think of the 80s. Right. There's a very prominent cover of that. Yeah, I'm the, sure the first time a lot of you guys from well, your yeah, era. It was, it was my experience with uh, the previous song, Pictures of Matchstick Men, uh, covered by one Camper Van Beethoven Yes, in the probably more so late, late 80s. Yes. And... Uh, introduced us to the great music that they had and well of course it was an, an, an you know helping us out with camper van too it's it was a great great cover that they that they did so yes and uh later on in the i believe it was about 96 97 once again referencing howard stern but on the private part soundtrack there's a cover of pictures of matchstick man where it's Ozzy Osbourne singing with Typo Negative backing him up. It's a really fun, interesting version of that song, if you've yeah. never heard it. You've probably heard it once. So, But it was no, like back when it was out, I'm sure. I don't think so. But uh, anyway, fun version. Go look it up. Ozzy loves that song. I mean, he <laughs> Ozzy grew up on the original, of course. I was going to so say. That's why he did it. So good stuff there. Oh, yes, and for the record, Status Quo was the first band out at Live Aid. Logan found out while we were playing the song. Yay. All right. Yeah, thanks, Kat. <laughs> the last entrant, uh, the Fallen of 2016, and boy, did the year go out with a bang. On I think towards the end of Christmas, we found out. Uh, yeah, Christmas. The fam- family found out late Christmas, right day. on Christmas morning, that George Michael had left us, and man, that was it was a, so out of nowhere. It was a huge. It was it was a big scramble because I kept thinking, "Are you kidding me?" on christmas day yeah and so i started started seeing things pop up on on my twitter feed i mean it was just like that was like instantaneous that that was reporting that george michael was dead and so i that I, you know i kept kept trying to find other information confirming confirming and then finally I, bbc you know, announced it yeah officially, I mean, and that's, that's I, pretty much well actually I, I ended up going to sky news i have sky news on my okay. apple tv nice. okay and they were doing nothing but yeah nothing but covering the death of George Michael nothing but Th- that and the weather oh, yeah sure. i mean it was it was the death of George Michael yeah it was commentary commentary from you know uh you know uh critics or friends or whatever sure, via yeah. phone or in studio and you're originally getting calls for the first time in Probably five years, yeah. probably at least a couple of decades. Yeah, um, Honest, honestly, yes. Yeah, probably so. So, um, but yeah, so it was it was really a a a tremendous surprise. Yeah, really was. Yeah, and I'm I not mean, even. And, I'm and still not even because, sure what 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 it was well, that, that that killed him. There's definitely rumors. And, there are a lot of rumors, and, but until yeah, we're still in a zone to where we're not exactly yeah. sure what and it was. I think the results are any day now, kind of thing, because basically it's going to take a. They they said once they did the full exam, it would take a few right. weeks, and we're yeah. we're getting into about a month. We're or we're actually over a month now, so any day now yeah. you're going to find out about it. Maybe yeah. even as this airs. 
Yeah. But, you know, of course, people saw him a few years ago on television being interviewed, and apparently he looked really bad. Like, he deteriorated a lot. So there's a lot of HIV rumors, but I'm not going to perpetrate those. No. However, there's one thing that I was, uh, you know, (laughs) I am that guy at work, if I may bring it over to me. (laughs) I'm that guy at work where if they're going to goof on something, they always look for me in the vicinity because you don't know with me. You just don't know. Yeah. Like... I don't, I don't make it obvious. Right. <laughs> you know, like when I, this is people, I'm, I'm like shamelessly buying any records. I right. like Brian Adams and they're just like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> you know, that's me. Yeah. You know me. Yeah. So I get, so Joey, how do you feel about George Michael? Oh, really? You oh, had that? yeah. Oh, I got that. Cause they don't know. Huh. And, uh, I said, you know. Never the biggest fan. However, I grew up with the fame of George Michael, which is definitely something that is really lost on the current yeah. generation of kids because at the time, you're probably doing a top five most successful solo artist of the oh, 80s. Yeah. And just based on one record, yeah, George Michael was in the top five most successful singers in the Easy. world. Easy. He sold, what did he sell, close to 100 mil worldwide Ever of all time. Between just almost based on Faith Alone well, on and the Faith? Wham and oh, the yeah. Wham albums. You know, because Make It Big was big. Make It Big was exactly and big. Faith was a freaking monster. It uh, was... The monster albums of the late eighties, when you talk about the albums of the late eighties. Yeah. Hysteria, Appetite for Destruction, Control. Faith. Faith is in that list. Yeah. Everybody owned that record. Yeah. And uh, from from the nineteen eighty five through 89 that that yeah. certainly is i mean that's certainly i mean huge i had it yeah. i can't think of anybody that didn't know that didn't have yeah. it and it had like a two-year lifespan two yeah. years and change they were much like all those records i mentioned they were still releasing singles off i was of gonna it say by 1989 hysteria was was still rolling out singles control yeah. was still rolling out singles yeah appetite was still rolling out singles yeah faith was still rolling out yeah. singles. I mean, bad. They were and they were all being toured under still at that time. Tremendous record. And they, tremendous artist. Yeah. Tremendous voice. Yeah, that's the thing is that uh, with the initial perception of his persona in Wham, there's definitely it kicks off with more of a fluff pop. This right. is a prefab thing. These guys don't have any talent, blah blah blah. And they don't give you a lot of reason to doubt the naysayers at right. that point. But then they start throwing... Because yeah, they start off as like a disco duo. Yeah. Doing, I, doing rap as white boys from England. Just, you yeah, know, they're like, just doing... And the, funk records. They're just doing the, the, the normal British pop thing the that was going on at the yeah. time. They, 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 built, they built their Wham! brand into a international hit. Yeah. And it's so weird. It just started off as, you know, here's a bunch of white boys in leather jackets. Right. You know, I'm just a love machine. Right. And I, won't. I mean, it's so just like, How it's does that so go fluffy. Uh, that yeah, is, yeah. I, I did enough of it. Thank you. And I heard those records. And we yeah. heard them after Make It Big because now we start, oh, they have another record? Out? Right. Oh, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, I noticed that by the time Make It Big was finishing up its run, you know, Careless Whisper comes in. Everything she wants comes in. I noticed, like, hey, that's that's a little different. But you know, freedom the, was even different than the, "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go." The the interesting stuff about about um, Careless Whisper 
is that in here the states it was a wham song but in the uk it started the british charts it was a george michael song it was wham featuring george michael that's when it became that but the thing was is that george still wanted andrew ridgely to benefit from the royalties from it so here in the states we had it as wham when it was a See, I, didn't know know for, that, I didn't know that side of for, it. For all, for all intensive purposes, it was a George Michael solo wow. song. Huh. But he still wanted Andrew to benefit from the royalties from it. And what better place to do that than here in America? Yeah, that's like, that's like what Brian Wilson did. It was for taking sounds, care yeah. of the rest of the guys. His. his Bandmate. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to call him partner because well, I, I, I don't want that. I don't want to blur the line there. Sure, but, but we, we don't know that either. <laughs> but at the same time, so so whenever he actually went to uh, being a solo artist, um, you know, he, he 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 fought he fought against his record label there for for a long time. Yeah, and they're not death, they're not death. doing exactly what they wanted. To, they didn't like Listen Without Prejudice Volume One. That's why we don't have a Volume Two. Yeah, yeah, totally. totally. And and even though he that said record this was, is, was, was was a fantastic was, record, it was it was, it was well received record. critically, and it actually sold a lot of records. The other thing is that. He, but this isn't the record that we want. It, oh, yeah, is I know is that. what that got is, is what that came around. Oh yeah, to. they hated him. I mean, the, and the, so the Freedom ninety video was just a complete, yeah, complete fu to the record label because he, he's he nowhere. The, he's nowhere in it. Yeah, he's not even represented in it. Yeah, and he's blowing up. He's blowing up his entire image. He blew up image the jukebox. Completely. He blew up the record. He blew everything. up everything. Everything was just fucking just decimated and then the lead off single for praying for time yes there's a video with just words on just it. lyric they do it's, it's just it's the lyrics lyric. yeah and that's it and then at the end they show the album cover like that's the video and that's it that's the video <laughs> and he's not on the album and, he, cover. and and that was a definite thumbing of the nose mm-hmm. to and, and at, at that point yeah. that's whenever they were like well he they wrote the contract out got rid of him and yeah. then interestingly enough i remember dreamworks using him as a launch artist yeah and yeah, it didn't, he, it he didn't was, do all that great. I'm sure it did better in England than it did here. It, 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 it probably well, well, it was it was hard to promote him at that point too yeah. because there was a lot of issues that was. I think that's around the time that he was getting kind of like busted in the, yeah. in, in the bathrooms yeah, and what have 90s. you. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was even a, the the one song that he did with Mary J. Blige. Yeah, that cover of Ass. Ass. Yeah, fantastic, Stevie fantastic. But it got zero promotion here. I zero because they didn't want Mary. Jay Bly's associated with the guy that was busted in a bathroom. Yeah, exactly. It's so sad. anyway, well, we've we've changed we, a bit. <laughs> we've we've lost we we have lost a lot of um, great music from from George Michael, and yeah. uh, his voice will be missed. Yeah, but I will say that it's a very good tribute. So I'll move it over to kind of a personal history as uh, kind of like the rock angle of a of a guy that grew up listening to hard rock and heavy metal bands and the occasional pop record. The whole thing about well, George Michael's just fluff and everything. And even all through Faith, I was like, ah, oh, he's just a pop artist. And I never actually owned Faith. I think my sister did. Oh, really? Yeah. I I mean, I'll be honest with you. But there was there was something that started happening post-Listen Without Prejudice. And it was at the time when Freddie Mercury left us. Oh, and yeah. I, I remember seeing, it's funny because I think they even would air vignettes about this, maybe even between songs, when I watched the Freddie Mercury tribute concert. And Brian May comes on the TV and goes, 
over the last few years, I'll hear a voice in the distance on the radio and go, is that Freddie? And it's George Michael every single time. And yeah. that one statement, it, for me, actually yeah. boosted him. His stock went up. And then he comes out on stage and does that song with him, and it's just like, man. man. And even to the point where even the most hardcore Queen fan said, man, if they went out and did a few shows with him... I'm cool with it. Yeah. That's how good he is on the Freddie Mercury tribute concert. I don't think anybody would have had a problem with that. Yeah. And he's got but I don't the But yeah. I don't think the guys in Queen were ready for it. No, it, no, it, they, it they is weren't. It's a thing. I, and definitely, like, uh, John John Deacon just was ready to walk away. He's yeah. like, one show and we're done. And he had no yeah. part of anything after that. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. But, of course, when George Michael died, a lot of people posted that video. And then that rehearsal video from the special features kept popping up where they're rehearsing the song... In a, in a rehearsal room, and you could see David Bowie in the background watching, going, man, you know. So that was a yeah. big clip over the last month. So since everybody's kind of heard that, I'm going to bring it up over to a real personal thing for me. And we mentioned Elton John earlier. And obviously George being a huge Elton John fan and, you know, of his age and a British guy who isn't. So it's interesting because... Elton really disappeared in the late 80s into the early 90s because he had to. He had to get healthy. He was near death. Uh, according to him, I think he even maybe even like got so much to the point where he was probably going to OD or just die in Cocaine day. is a hell of a drug. Just awful. He, he was like Howard Hughesing it. He locked himself in yeah. his room for like a year. Yeah. This whole thing. So his star had completely fallen, especially in the States, and, you know, obviously not doing well anywhere in the world. And then George Michael goes on stage does a live version of don't let the sun go down on me to where some people maybe even hearing that song for the first time yeah and the other side of it going man i forgot how good that song is because he's doing it such justice but to me the video was almost Uh everything yeah it really was i mean obviously it's some show in england i'm sure because the crowd the crowd's massive and it's just every time i see it from the first time i saw it to when i just watched it again the other day is that they, they finish up the first half and then George kills it. And then on the video you see Elton John getting prepped. He goes out on stage. And then when George Michael goes, ladies and gentlemen, Elton John, the place goes fucking, fucking nuclear. Nuts. Yeah. And in that one moment, he brought Elton John's career back from the dead. And one fell swoop. And there was no question about him after that again. So he was able to do something for two different artists. I agree. I agree one, with that. One that was officially dead and one that was pretty much their career was dead and just yeah. like like just he had the talent to raise things and that's the thing I always took away from I George agree. Michael. So that from my side of things that's how I perceive the guy. So yeah. I don't think that's a bad thing. No. So it, it was it was so well executed. Yeah. And it it legitimately felt like a tremendous like <gasps> Are you kidding me? Yeah, Elton John and George Michael. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, that was that was a legitimate feeling whenever that that moment happened. And, and no two guys probably have given more money in their life to uh, the cures for HIV and AIDS right. in their entire career. There's uh, there's no way the uh, philan- between the two of them the, oh. the philanthropy between them is just. Yeah, it's off, off the, the charts. Off, exactly, that's what off I was the chart. Say. And were you going to say that? Exactly. Oh I was going to say that. Jimmy. So, yeah. So, <laughs> while we're having that moment, let's have them have their moment <laughs> to close off this particular fallen episode of 2016, ending it off with with massive epicness. We'll hug it here, out. Here is that amazing duet between George Michael and Elton John, and Don't Let the Sun Go Down.
Alright, there you go. Finally, finally, finally wrapping up 2016 in The Fallen. That was for George Michael. His, I think he would probably put that on his tribute show if I, I had would, to guess I, properly. I, mean, I would assume that he would. Yeah, I, that's one I'd put on my tombstone. Actually, sure. I would guarantee that he would. Yeah. So, of all, of all the really good music, that, that one... And I realize it's a cover song and he didn't write it, but still, come on. Come on, it was when great you're a singer, When you're a singer, it's about the performance. Yeah, I, I was going to say, it's yeah. the performance. Yeah. So don't let the sun go down on me. You can find that on a few different things. I believe it is on Ladies and Gentlemen, right? Uh, the very best of George Michael. Uh, that would have to be. I can't imagine. So we'll go I, with that. I, I imagine it's on that. Maybe uh, I, I would actually also recommend 25, which is a little bit of George Michael, Wham!, that's a conglomerate. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Wham as hits. long as Too Funky is on it, that's actually I a, believe it is. a I, secret I, I, I favorite know, of mine. I, I know Too Funky is on 25 for sure. Yeah, that's a secret favorite of sure. mine. And great video, too. I mean, be if a you're a shitty dude, Come that on. should be... No. The video was great. Oh, uh, the video was great. Yes. And he's in it for like two seconds. Because they show all these models and, and all this stuff. And all of a sudden they said, directed by, and they show him standing behind a camera. And he right. went, yeah. <laughs> I was like... Ah. That's all you need, man. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get the hell out of here. Thank you for joining me on this episode. These are always interesting. Later 2016. Get the F out of here. Man. But it's only going to, I mean, I got to tell you, I'm not going to try to turn 2017 into an entity like the rest of the world turned 2016 into, but I think this might be just the beginning. Yep. Thank you, Rod Serling. All right. So, please stay tuned to everything on cnjradio.com, including all episodes of Rock Strikes 10, The Synaptic featuring Randy Brown, A True Alternative, The Wrestling House Show, and Last Seat on the Left Blogs by The Great Chris. And, last but not least, extra special thanks to Pete and the guys from Space Beard for the awesome outro. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband, purchase their new album Gone, and tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent you. Logan, thank you for coming. You betcha. And, uh... Hopefully we won't have another Fallen for a while, but we'll see. We're already about three in, I think, for 2017. I was going to say, I only got three. Yeah, so everybody else, we'll see. But I'm not even sure about those three. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I got three I'm sure of, okay. but I we'll, already started the list, so as, right. as it goes. Yay. As it goes. D-E-A-T-H. <laughs> we'll see you on the next one. Have fun.